You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. We are in part eight of a series called Increase, and we've been in this since the new year, and we're simply saying this, if you want to see increase in your life or in a specific area of your life, we need to do what God's Word says. In John 3.30, this is the principle that we've gotten this entire series from, John the Baptist said this, in John 3.30, he said, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. And that's a principle that you can apply literally to any area of your life, and if you will do that... All we are doing and when we apply that principle is we are humbling ourselves, and we're saying, Lord, we want you and your will to be done in our lives, in my marriage, in my finances, in my work, uh, in my life, Lord, in, in, in my prayer requests. Lord, I want you to increase and I want myself to decrease because I trust that you have better and you want better for me than I even want for myself. We trust that God is a good father. And so when we increase Jesus or increase God's word and his principles, we simply get out of the way so that God can go to work even more in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about how do we increase in peace? How do we increase in peace? You know, we live in such a crazy time right now. If you watch the news at all, if you just look around, uh, we live in such a time where we are tempted to live a life of stress, anxiety, fear, depression. Uh, I mean, it is just that the, the spirit of fear is ruling and reigning over so many people's lives. And it can be um, tempting to almost just embrace it as a way of life. Well, then this is, uh, you know, people deal with anxiety. We, we deal with stress. We deal with fear. And we almost sometimes embrace it like it's a normal thing. But I want to show us today in God's word how God wants you to increase in peace. He wants his peace to be abundant in your life. And I'm not downplaying that, yeah, maybe sometimes we deal with serious anxiety or deal with a spirit of depression or or, um, crippling fear sometimes. Those are very real things. And that's why we need to look at God's word and we need to see, yes, those are real, but God's word has some truth that can set us free from those real battles that we face in the spiritual realm. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at four verses today. It's going to be super simple. We're going to look at four verses today. And this is probably some of the most popular verses in God's Word when it comes to um, peace. It's found in Philippians 4. We're going to look at these four verses and we're simply just going to break it down kind of phrase by phrase, if you will. And we're going to talk about how it applies to our life. So let's read our kind of our context or our our verses for today. Philippians 4, starting in verse 6, says this. uh, This is the New Living. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's go to verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So, in this, uh, these few verses here, there's a couple promises of peace that um, he gives some guidelines and then he tags it with, then 
you will experience peace. Then uh, God's peace will guard your heart. He has this, this kind of tagline. So let's look at some of the things that we can do in order to decrease ourselves, but increase the opportunity for God to work in our lives and bring peace. The first thing that he says is this, don't worry about anything. And that's point number one, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that so easy to say, right? (laughs) I just don't worry about it. But this is much more difficult to live out when we don't know God's word. Uh, Don't worry about anything. Let's go go back to our key uh, phrase here. Philippians 4 verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And here's something I think that tags to it. And thank him for all he has done. I I think honestly, we we should be tagging that to don't worry about anything. Thank him for all that he has done. And the reason I say that is this. One of the things that I found in my life is that one of the best ways to beat worry is by remembering. One of the best ways to beat worry is by worshipfully remembering. Simply this, I think back when I'm stressed about a situation, when I'm facing something that feels impossible, I try to stop for a second worship God, and I try to thank Him for the last time that He moved in my life. Whether it was big or whether it was small, I try to remember, when was God faithful last time? How, how, you know, When was the last time that God moved in my life, and I know that He moved, I know that He opened the door for me? When was the last time that I, that happened? I've found in my life that one of the best ways to be worried is by remembering. And, and honestly, we see this in Scripture. Since the beginning of time, God has been telling and instructing His people to remind ourselves, to remind ourselves of His promises, His goodness, and His faithfulness. And here's why. He wants us to remember that He... He is true. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I look back and I think of the times that God was faithful in my life, or when I look at Scripture and I see how God was faithful to people in Scripture and in those stories and in those testimonies, I can remind myself that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means if He did it before, He can do it again. Does it mean He's going to do it the exact same way? No, not necessarily. But I know that if He did it before... He has the power, he has the authority, he has everything he needs to do it again. And one of the great examples that I like to look back of this principle of remembering to beat worry, one of the things I like to look back at is the story of Joshua when he's leading the children of Israel and they cross the Jordan River. Uh, basically, the priests go down to the Jordan River first, first, and it's in a flood stage at this point. They go down, they're carrying the ark, and as soon as their feet hit the water, right about when they hit the water, God parts the Jordan River. And they come across, all the children of Israel come across on dry land and are going into to the promised land. And then at the end of this, in Joshua 4, verse 3, it says this, Take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out into the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. So when the priests were stepping out into the water and the water parted, they stood there as the children of Israel came across. And now God is instructing them, hey, take some stones, some huge rocks, some boulders, take them out there, stack them up, and put them in place. Why is God saying to do that? Why, why is he saying put this in at this spot right here particularly? Skip down to verse 21. Joshua 4 verse 21 says, Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, and here's why he's, he's asking them to put those stones out there. When your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, What are these stones? Like what, what, what are these stones doing here? What are these rocks doing here? Then you shall let your children know saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land 
For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before you, uh, before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. A couple key things in here. You said eventually your kids are going to ask you, why are these here? Why are these here? And one of the things he says is he has a great teaching moment for you to remind your kids, to remind the next generation that we serve a living God who is a God of making the impossible possible. Because inevitably, these kids from the next generation that don't remember this or weren't there for this, they're going to say, that would, that's impossible. You're telling me that God parted this river. He parted this water right here so you could come across on dry ground. That's tough to believe. But he's saying if you will set in stone a place where you will remember, you will be able to share the testimony and it will put faith in the next generation. It's important for us to have ways to remember God's faithfulness. But I love that he takes it a step further. It is a reminder of what, in verse 24 it says, that God, God's hand is mighty. That not just you will remember that God's hand is mighty, but he says that all the peoples of the earth, everyone on earth will know that you serve the living God, who is a mighty God, who is an active God, who will work on your behalf. That's the God that we serve. And that's what's so good is when you look at stories like this and you say, that was impossible, but God did the impossible and he is a mighty God and he wants to work. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Will he do it the exact same way as before? Not necessarily. God will do what God wants to do, but he has the power. His hand is mighty. So when you're worried about a seemingly impossible situation, remind yourself of what God did last time it seemed impossible. Let me say that again. When you're worried about a seemingly impossible situation. Remind yourself of what God did the last time it seemed impossible. This is why scripture says in Philippians 4, it says, thank him for all he has done. Not necessarily thank him for what he is going to do. There's times where we do that, absolutely. But it says, specifically for peace, thank him for all that he has done. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in the past. And I know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because I can remember that, it helps me not to worry about anything. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. That's the God that we serve. He says, don't worry about anything. Trust me. Look to me. Remember my faithfulness. If He's done it before, He can do it again. Now, The second thing that we see in Philippians 4 is this. Don't worry about anything. But number two, point point number two for today is this. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. There's nothing too little or too big to pray about. And that seems elementary, but it's amazing how many people are struggling with something in their life. But they almost have uh, pride, if we, if we really want to get to the root of it, too much pride to take it to God because they think it's such a small thing. Well, God doesn't really care or God's got, he's, he's got more things to worry about. He's got countries that are at war and things that are going on, natural disasters. God has more going on than my little issues in my life. And we almost, if I'm being honest, it's a prideful thing not to take it to your Heavenly Father who wants to help you. You know, uh, I'll share a story about this. Whenever I was, uh, Leslie and I were first married, we had this little rent house here in, in the Tulsa area 
in this rental house. Uh, it was nice for us, but you know, it, it really wasn't very nice at all. When we first moved in, I mean, it was like flea infested. The person before us had, I don't know how many dogs, but one of the back rooms, it's like, obviously that's where they kept the dogs. And it was, it was gross. Luckily it was hardwood floor. So it was easy to, you know, uh, clean up and get rid of the fleas. However, it was one of those things where we, we didn't have a lot of money. We had just enough money to, to pay for our bills and to feed ourselves. And there was really literally nothing extra, but we were young and in love and we were starting our lives together. And you know, there was a time though, I remember a specific day when I was really stressed about and worried about our finances. I didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. And so I was outside and I was mowing our yard. And as I was mowing the yard, I finished mowing. I was going to weed eat really quick. And I had this weed eater that was super reliable. It would start every time, but today it would not start. You ever had those times in life where it's like you're already frustrated and there's something that never happens happens and it just makes you even more frustrated. That's where I was with this weed eater. I was like, I don't know what's going on. This weed eater usually starts a couple pulls on the string and it, this thing starts and fires right up. Well, today it wasn't. And man, I spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes trying to figure this thing out. You know, I was like, what is going on? Everything looks correct. I looked it all over. Everything looks perfect, looks correct. Why is this thing not starting? Eventually I got to my breaking point and I was sitting on our back porch with my weed eater and I was so frustrated. I was out of breath because I was cranking that thing so many times and I just stopped and I prayed about it. I said, Lord, help me start this weed eater. That's where I was at. I was so desperate just for some help, just for some a uh, break, just for some favor. Lord, help me start this weed eater. I just want to be done mowing the yard. And as soon as I finished saying that, I looked down and I had looked the weed eater over several times as I was trying working on it for 15 or so minutes. And I looked down and there was one part that I saw that had come disconnected where the trigger was. And as I went down, I could easily snap it back into place. I'd never seen this part before, this wire before, but I snapped it back into place. And the first or, first or second pull, my weed eater started right up. And soon as it started, I just heard God speak to my heart. And he just said, if I care that much about your weed eater, how much more do I care about your well-being and your finances? And from that moment on, that was one of those moments where I remember anytime I'm facing something, I remember, Lord, you care about my weed eater <laughs> and me weed eating my yard. How much more do you care about our well being and it puts faith in myself but i want to remind you pray god's word says pray about everything if it's something small pray about it if it's something big pray about it if it seems possible pray about it if it seems impossible pray about it pray about it philippians 4 6 go back to our key verse this is the new king james i love this it says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god Prayer and supplication, that word supplication is more than just petitioning or asking, but it actually, at the original language and the root of it, it suggests an intensity, an earnestness, an extended prayer, intensity in extended prayer, not to gain merit uh, uh, for, for how many words or how long your prayer is. Well, I was in my prayer closet for two hours today. Not that, but the extended prayer, the intensity and in extended prayer is to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hands. So let me say that again. Supplication is more than just petitioning or asking. It is, it suggests in its root, an intensity of extended prayer to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hands. Lord, I am going to 
pray and seek you, Lord, throughout my day until I get this burden off of my soul and into your hands where you can go to work. First Thessalonians 5 says this in verse 16, always be joyful, never stop praying. There it is again. Pray about everything. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not thankful, hear me in this, I'm not thankful for every circumstance. I'm thankful in every circumstance. That's what scripture says. I'm not thankful for my crisis situation. I'm not thankful for a bad bad diagnosis. I'm not thankful for cancer or disease. I'm not thankful for um, losing my job. I'm not thankful for something like that, but I can be thankful in the situation. There's a difference. I'm not thankful that it happened to me. I'm thankful in it. I'm, I'm thankful in the situation because I'm excited to see what God is going to do through it. God may not have caused it. God didn't give you cancer or a bad diagnosis. God didn't cause that destruction in your life. God didn't steal that loved one from your family and take him to heaven because he needed another rose for his garden. That's not biblical. He didn't, he didn't cause that, but he can use that. He can use it for his glory. And that's why we can be thankful in a circumstance where I thank you that in this crisis, you will get glory. And that's what we do. I say, Lord, I thank you that though I have not seen the answer to my prayer yet, Lord, I thank you that you're going to move. I thank you that you're going to get glory. Lord, I thank you that you're going to move and bring life in the situation where there's death. You're going to move and bring your glory where there seems to only be death and destruction. I thank you that you're going to use this for good and use it for your glory. The person who entrusts their cares to Christ instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God, which guards them from nagging anxiety. Let me say that again. The person who entrusts their cares to Christ, prays about it, instead of fretting over it, will experience the peace of God. And the peace of God is an active thing. It says it guards against anxiety. It guards our hearts. So, if you want to have a guard set up, it's just like having a security guard or a, um, a, a you know a law enforcement officer parked out front. Imagine how safe you would feel every night if you could go to bed and you knew there was a you know a law enforcement officer who was on duty and he just parked in your driveway and he was on guard all night. He was watching your property, making sure, doing some rounds, making sure no one was messing with your house. You would probably sleep pretty good. Why? Because you have someone that's on guard and that's what the peace of God wants to do. That's what the peace of God says. It says that it will guard your heart. It will keep your heart from fear, from anxiety and all those things, but you got to do your part. You need to choose not to worry and you need to pray about everything, big or small. We believe that God can work in it. Point number three is this, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. When you're tempted to fear, when you're facing crisis, when you're um, in a tough situation, when anxiety is overtaking you, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Philippians 4, 8, back to our key verses here, Philippians 4, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Well, look at all those things we're supposed to think about and who does that describe? Jesus. Jesus is true. Jesus is honorable. Jesus is right. He is pure. He is lovely. He is admirable. He is excellent. He is worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Here's why. 
the atmosphere of our lives is affected by the things we dwell on in our thoughts. Let me say that again. The atmosphere of our lives is affected by the things that we dwell on in our thoughts. Now, here's the thing. You're going to go through the day. You're going to go through your life, and you're going to have random thoughts. You're going to have thoughts that don't make sense, that don't line up with God's Word. You're going to have thoughts that um, are distractions. Some of them are attacks from the enemy. Some of them is because you had cheese pizza last night, and you, your, your chemicals in your body and your hormones are kind of messed up, right? There's, there's times where you have random thoughts, times where I would say the majority of the time, the enemy wants to put thoughts in your mind because that's the place that he knows that he can get you to go down a path and to be distracted from things. And he knows that if he can get you to dwell or continually think on the thoughts that he would give you, that the entire atmosphere of your life will be changed. It will be changed. It will affect your spiritual well-being. But what's interesting is, is it will also affect your physical well-being, your mental well-being. In your physical body, it will affect you when you choose to dwell on things and continually think on things that don't align with God's word. Fear is one of the biggest examples of this. Here's what's interesting. The University of Minnesota did a study several years ago where they were studying fear and the connection between fear and our physical bodies. And here's what they found. Fear weakens our immune system and it can cause cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems such as ulcers and irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, it can cause decreased fertility. It can lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. What can, what can? Fear. Fear. If I allow fear to come into my life, come into my thoughts, doesn't mean I never have a fearful thought. It's what do I do when the fearful thought shows up? When I have fearful thoughts, if I choose to dwell on it, meditate on it, think about it, revisit it, explore it, open it up, when I start to do that, I am going down a path of destruction that God doesn't want for me. I am allowing and giving permission for the devil to work in my life when I choose to think on fear. In fact, here's a great example of this. It's the story of Job in God's word, the story of Job. Job um, faced incredible crisis. He faced inc incredible destruction in his life. But I want to show you where it begins. So many times people look at the story of Job and they say, well, God put this destruction on Job or God even allowed this destruction on Job. I want to give us some perspective though on where did this destruction happen for Job. So the story of Job, here's what happens. He, he has all these horrible things that happen to him. Job uh, chapter 3 verse 25 says this, Job is saying, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety Neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Yet trouble came. So here's what happened. Fear came first to Job, and then the troubles happened. Fear came first, and then the troubles happened. But let's back up a couple chapters here, and let's look at what's happening in the spiritual realm before the destruction takes place in Job's life. Satan wants to attack Job. In fact, Satan is coming to God and he's even accusing Job. He's saying that Job only serves God because he's so blessed and because he's so rich. And he was blessed and he was rich and he, and he did have wealth. And, and Satan is accusing him saying, that's the only reason that he serves you when he's talking to God. He said, that's the only reason. But look at Job chapter 1, verse 10. This is the New King James, New King James Version. It says this. 
Satan says, have you not made a hedge around Job, a hedge around Job, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and all his possessions have increased in the land. So let's read this in context. What are we seeing here? Satan, in this, in in Job 1 verse 10, Satan himself is admitting, he's admitting that he cannot get to Job. I can't get to him. What does he say? You have put a hedge around him, around his family, his possessions, his work, everything he puts his hand to, it increases. Because of the hedge that you've put around him, God, I can't even touch him. But Job said, what I feared has come upon me. I feared this and then it came to pass. And so here's the question that I would raise when it comes to the story of Job, which a lot of people like to look at when it comes to things happening in our lives. Could it be, and we have to understand this uh, before I make this, uh, raise this question. There is a spiritual legal system at work in the spiritual realm. Uh, God is permitted and not permitted to do things based upon the legal system that's in place. Here is why we can have righteousness, not by our own works, but because we had somebody who came, who paid a price for us, for our sins, so that we could be in right standing with God. And now we have a mediator. We have someone on our behalf. When we, when we mess up and we confess, Jesus says, hey, God, remember, I've, I've taken care of that for them. They get to go free. They get to be freed from that sin, forgiven from that sin. We have a mediator. I can't get into all of it today, but there is a, there is a spiritual legal system in place. And so when it comes to the story of Job, I would raise this question. Could it be that God was spiritually, legally obligated to lower the hedge of protection because Job had given place to fear? Now, I don't have time to really dive into all of this today, but I think it's an interesting question, because why? Satan admits he's got a hedge of protection around him. I can't even touch him. But then what happens? Job says, what I feared has come upon me. When we open the door to fear, fear comes in, and honestly, it will keep us from the blessing of God. Fear, if I allow it to come in and I dwell on it and I think on it, it's like opening a door for for someone to come in and cause havoc in my house, in my life. It's the same principle. If I let fear come in and I entertain it and I think about it and I revisit it, what happens is I, it will keep me from the blessing of God. It will lead me down a path to destruction. It will, it will take me out of the umbrella of God's safety, out of the hedge of protection where I am prone to things coming at me. Here's another example of this. The first thing that the angel says to Mary, the, the, the mother of Jesus, the first thing the angel says to Mary is what? Fear not. Fear not. Why? I heard a pastor say this. He said this. If Mary remained in fear, she could not have received and given birth to the blessing of the Messiah, our Lord. If she remained in fear, she could not receive all that God had for her, which was the Messiah, which was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Was the first thing he says? Fear not. God is with you. You sound favorite. Fear not. So this is why we've got to do the same thing. We've got to make a choice. I will not let fear linger. I've got to fix my thoughts on Jesus. What is true? What is lovely? Worthy of praise? We must fix our thoughts on Jesus and take out 
any thoughts of fear. That's why 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Another way in the original language it would mean this, to take captive with a spear to the back. Meaning it's an aggressive thing. It's a, a warrior thing. It's a military thing. I'm going to take captive every thought that comes into my mind. I'm going to make it obey Christ or I'm going to get it out of my mind. I was listening to a, a message this past week from a pastor and he said it this way. He said, imagine that you're at home and someone, first thing in the morning, they come in your driveway and they park their car outside your garage where you can't, when you open the garage door, you can't back out. They're right there. You can't move your car. There's no way you can get around them. You don't know whose car it is. Some random person just parked their car in your driveway and they left. What would you do? Would you come back in and would you sit on the couch and would you just say, man, I don't, I'm so stressed about this car situation. I don't know whose car it is. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, what if they're there for the rest of the day? I got to pick up my kids. What if they're there for the rest of the week? I got to go to work. Uh, what if they're there for years? Man, I'm going to have to go out and buy a new car because I can't even get my car out of the driveway. What are we going to do? Would you do that? No, obviously you wouldn't. What would you do? You would come in, you'd get your phone and you would, you would call the tow truck and you'd say, hey, some rando parked their car in my driveway. I need you to come tow it and get it out of here and put it on their bill. Like, I'm going to make them pay for it as well, right? Get this random car out of here. It has no right to be here. That's what we have to do with fear. You can't just let fear be parked in your mind. It has no right to be there. When fearful thoughts come in, call the tow truck and get it out of there. What's the tow truck? It's you speaking God's word. Uh, take every thought captive with a spear to the back. Remember God's word coming out of your mouth when you speak it is rhema is what it's called, which is a makes it a two-edged sword. It's two-edged because the first edge is God saying it. The second edge is you saying it. And now you can use your, your, uh, your uh, sword of the spirit to take captive. Like a spear to the back, take captive every thought. I'm going to speak life and speak God's word. And I'm going to get rid of fearful thoughts in my mind. Take, take captive when I speak God's word. Now, uh, the last point is this, this is where I'm going to wrap up today. Point number four is this. He lays out all these things, you know, uh, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, fix your thoughts on Jesus. But the last thing that he says is super important. He says this, practice what you've learned. Point number four, practice what you've learned. Practice what you've learned. Let's look at it. Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. When? When you practice what you've learned. Too many times people go to church, listen to a message, be encouraged by God's word, read God's word, whatever it might be, and then they do nothing with it. They do nothing with it. If you want the God of peace, the Prince of peace to be with you in every situation, you must practice what you learn, meaning this, you must be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. You can't just hear God's word and expect everything to change. Now, when you hear God's word, it builds your faith so you can do something about it. So what have we talked about today? We've talked about how do we live in peace? How do we increase in peace when we allow God to work in our life? And there's three main things. What do we need to practice this week? This week, we need to practice. Number one, don't worry about anything. Easy to say, difficult to do sometimes. Don't worry about anything. The best way to beat worry 
is to worshipfully remember God's faithfulness. When was the last time that God showed up? If he did it then, he can do it now. That's what I'm going to focus on, his faithfulness. I'm going to worshipfully remember God's faithfulness. The second thing we need to do is to pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Remember, if God cares about a weed eater, a weed eater, how much more? Does he care about what you're going through? If he cares about a weed eater, which is such a small thing in the big scheme of things, how much more does he care about the situation that you're facing? And then number three, fix your thoughts on Jesus by spending time in worship and in his word daily. How do I fix my thoughts on Jesus? I need to meditate on God's word and then I need to do what it says to do. Meditate on it, meaning this. I don't have to go sit in a corner and cross my legs and make weird noises. That's not meditating. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is when I take God's word or I write a verse down. I read, I read God's word that morning. I take a little sticky note and I write a verse that stuck out to me that, that I feel like God's prompting me to, to lean into. I take that sticky note and I put it in my car or I put it uh, you know, in my lunchbox so on the job site I can open my lunchbox and be reminded of what God spoke to me this morning. And all I'm doing is throughout my day, I'm choosing to think about it. Lord, show me more about this verse. Show me more about the truth. Show me more about the principle behind this verse. And as I'm doing that, I'm meditating on God's word. And it opens the door for more peace and the Prince of Peace to rule in my life. So we can increase in peace no matter what situation we're facing. But as always, God wants to partner with you to experience his peace. So what's our part? Don't worry about anything pray about everything and fix your thoughts and your mind on Jesus. Here's a reflection question and action step for you today and for this week. What area or situation of my life do I need peace? What are you facing right now that's just eating your lunch? What are you facing right now that's keeping you up at night? What are you facing right now that's bothering you, that's affecting your health, affecting your relationships? What situation or area of my life do I need peace? And then number two is this. What verse from God's word, am I standing on, thinking about, and speaking when I'm tempted to fear or to worry about that thing? Remember, you can't take every thought captive if you don't have a spear or a sword to take it captive with. So, what is it? It's God's word. Speaking God's word is speaking life into your situation. And so when fear tries to show up, worry or anxiety tries to show up and park its car in your driveway, no. Make the phone call, pray about it, get the tow truck there, speak God's word and get that thought out. Make it obey Christ. And if it won't, get it out of your mind and think the thoughts, think on what Jesus has for you in the goodness and the faithfulness of our heavenly father. God wants you to increase in peace. So this week, let's not live in fear. Let's reject worry. Let's not let anxiety overtake us. And when we feel tempted to fall into those things, let's choose to run to God's word. Remember what we talked about today. God wants you to increase in peace. He has good things for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus right now. And Lord, I just take a moment to pray for everyone listening to this message. I thank you that we're, they're not listening by accident. They're not watching today by accident. I thank you that they've, you've brought them here for this reason, because they are facing something that they need peace 
about. And Lord, I pray that no matter the situation, whether it's really big and overwhelming and, and, and uh, seems incredibly devastating or impossible, Lord, I pray that would you inject and, and, and put your peace into their life? Would it guard their hearts as they do what your word says to do? Lord, I pray for anyone that's maybe dealing with something that doesn't seem impossible. It doesn't seem a life or death like situation, but maybe it's a little bit smaller, but Lord, they haven't brought brought it to you in prayer. I pray for their situation right now, Lord. I pray that you'd give them the faith to ask you to move on their behalf. I pray that you would give them the faith to ask you for your peace to guard their hearts. Would you be with them? Would you strengthen them? Would you encourage us during this time when we may feel tempted to, to let fear come in, feel tempted to feel stress, feel, feel tempted to let anxiety run amok? Lord, I pray that you would help us remember, no, not today. As a part of your family, we have a right, a spiritual legal right to peace and to your peace. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.